let's pray, and we'll dive into James chapter 2. Pray with me, please. Please, Father, help me and help us. Thank you for the grace you give us to um, look in the mirror, as we've learned, to even study this law of liberty, this royal law, your son, and then give us the power to walk out and live as people who not just hear and talk about and maybe articulate, but do the things we've been instructed to do. Help me now. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in James chapter 2. It only took six weeks to get there, right? I do encourage you to bring your Bible to church. It's a good thing. And if you're not too taken aback, you can always jot down a few notes in your Bible or highlight a verse. We'll have one of those today at least. But it took six weeks to get through James chapter 1. We stood there and we saw that James, who was a pastor, at least 14 to 20 years in and around Jerusalem, somewhere in that time frame, he wasn't an itinerant preacher. You guys know the difference? An itinerant preacher or missionary tend to go for a place for a short while, give them all they got, and then hop on the boat. And that's a special ministry. In some ways it's easier because I've only guest spoken at a few places, but you can kind of say whatever you want because you're leaving. <laughs> you, can, you don't want to be mean. You don't want to be a jerk, but you can kind of say, here it is. Now, when people come and do that to churches, especially when they say, the word, the word of the Lord has come to me and he has this word for you, I get a little leery. Because if you check YouTube, they say that a lot of places sometimes, you know, and there's a whole different motive. That's not what the preachers in the Old Testament or New Testament did, the itinerant ones. Paul was like this. Peter was kind of like this in some ways. James was a pastor. He was hanging out with the same people for a long time. He was watching kids be born. He was probably doing premarital counseling in some ways. He was shepherding. So he knew people. He knew his body. He knew his flock. And he was the leader in Jerusalem. So he's writing, and we should only see that to see the perspective he brings. This doesn't make his writing any truer or untruer. It's just where he's coming from. And James told us early on, trials are coming because you're alive, and it would be wise of you to see them as friends, not enemies, because you can learn a lot from trials. God is testing us. He's growing us. He's forming us through trials. And the couple of things the trials do is they really show us what matters in life. Where our faith is supremely and what are our relationships like with the people we love most. That's what trials do. If you've gone through a trial recently, I guarantee, because I'm a human, you've thought about God. Is there a God? Might be. That's thinking about God, right? Why is this happening? What did I do to deserve this? Some of those thoughts. And then in the midst of the trial, I guarantee you started to go, Instagram means less to me. My relationship with my family means more right now. Email means less. My relationship with the people I love means more. And those are some of the benefits of trials, if we see them rightly. And we talked a lot about that in the first six weeks. We saw five fights James was showing us. Who can I pick on? Camilla, come here. Sorry. That's so bad, huh? I'm a jerk, huh? How you doing? How was your week? 
How's work? You're making coffee for a living? Yes. Boom. See what I did right there? What? what? Have a seat. Let's hear it for Camilla. Very good. <laughs> Kayla, come here. Come on, hurry. We're on the clock. How you doing? How was your week? Okay, boom. She didn't get either. Have a seat. John, come on up here. Come on, hurry up. We're on the clock. We're on the clock. How you doing? How was your week? Yeah? Okay, he didn't get it either. Okay, go ahead, sit down. Vin, how you doing? I'm too nice, I guess. How was your week? Okay, I'm still going to wait. Rita, how you doing? How was your week? Yeah? You guys are, this is like easy, like taking candy from a baby. Margie won't let it happen. How you doing, Margie? Yeah? Very good. Let's hear it for Margie right there. Did you see Margie? Margie raised her hand because she knew what was coming. What was coming? <laughs> Very, and James tells us this is what life is like. You are going to be in a dogfight. Be prepared. It's a whole different posture when I'm prepared in the trial than, where's Camilla? Not to pick on Camilla. She, she was the, hey, how you doing? Boom. And that's what James is getting at. So the first thing he told us to prepare for was what? Doubt. In your trial, you will doubt. Don't. Have the faith like the Mark 9 Roman in different places. I believe, but I doubt. Help me in my unbelief. Then he talked about comparison. Don't compare in your trials. You will become angry and bitter. Then he talked about anger and self. Fight against that. Ultimately, he talked about being stained by the world. Because when we get knocked down, it's easy to be overcome by the world. And how do we define world? Look outside. Look at the political reign of America and the world. It is run on greed and self-interest, and we can easily slip down that road. The last part of chapter 1, be quick to listen, slow to become angry. Verse 19, be a doer of the word. Verse 22, and we'll focus here as we get into chapter 2, live under the law of liberty. We learned, is that an abstract law in D.C.? Is it written on paper? No. That law has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. Live under his law of freedom. And James usually really uses the rest of his letter with that being the umbrella. So here we go. James chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers and sisters, sorry ladies, it was contextual, it was historical, Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. What is he getting at? Don't show favoritism. Plain and simple. My hearers and people I'm pastoring and people I'm beseeching, Christians, live genuine lives of faith. And as we pursue Christ, this law of liberty, I'm going to talk about favoritism. If you don't get it, it's based on outward appearance. How do I know that? Next verse, verse 2. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, verse 3. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit in a good place while you say to the poor man, 
you stand over there or sit at my feet. Uh-oh. Next one. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? What are the evil thoughts James is inferring? You've got to think insurance once in a while. You can't just go, ooh. Sorry, Courtney, come here. No one's ever sitting on the aisle again. <laughs> Courtney comes from the penthouse district, and you are, just like you are, very well put together. Have a seat. I got to be careful on this one. Who's back there? <laughs> Kevin, come on up, Kevin. Kevin, come on up. <laughs> you knew it. Kevin knew it. I got to be real careful on this one. Kevin's got a hole in his shoes and a hole in his pants, and let me... Woo, okay, have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. When's the last time you showered? Now, if these two come and worship with us, what is, does my natural heart do? I go to the one who is put together and in my heart has resources. Those are the evil intentions James is getting at. Because I'm doing so even under the guides of faith. Well, if Courtney becomes a member, we could have a an amazing addition to our building because her family comes from good stock. And Courtney doesn't appear... (laughs) That wasn't a joke. It was was good, right? And Courtney doesn't appear to have an issue with the bottle because I can smell it right now with Kevin. Bro, not not on Saturday night. (laughs) And Courtney's husband and father-in-law have a huge cattle farm 20 miles away. I mean, our church... Our church parties would look amazing with a couple of those. So now I'm not just doing this to take advantage of Courtney. I'm doing this under the guise of being a good pastor because I'm caring for the sheep. But it's very important not to cross the line and start looking out for Dave. And we all do that. Who would be more work to serve? What family? Kevin. Who would be in some ways easier to dismiss with no repercussions from the rest of the church. Because when people with resources have issues and they leave a church, how many emails do people get? A lot. A lot. When guy from down the street, who smells like guy from down the street, leave a church, what do people do? Thank goodness he's gone from the church. Not here, but I'm just going with the... Let's hear it for our two examples. Very good, very good, very good. This is what James is getting at. Not as much as evil desires, but don't cloak your faith in Jesus around discrimination so you might get ahead in your faith in Jesus. I'm here to tell you, it happened back then, and it happens now all the time. The saddest thing I see, and this isn't judgment, it's just my observation, is when I visit a church and I see staff parking right up front, like right up front, and I see vehicles that, in my opinion, cost way too much for pastors to drive lined up and shiny. Now, that's their choice. No, no judgment here. But this is how the evil thoughts come in. Because that's how our world works. 
the system of the air, the prince of the powers of the air, runs this planet on greed and self-interest. And that's where a lot of our evil desires come from. So this is interesting that James says this. We're going to go back to this, but there's a bigger thing going on here, and I want you to focus and become judges. We'll get back to that. When we slip down the slope of favoritism into discrimination, we place ourselves on a pedestal we don't really want to be, but that's how sin entices us. We'll see that as we wrap up. James, I said it once, is getting that discrimination. James is urging Christians, people, let me, let me define that. James is urging people who just don't want to be hearers but doers not to succumb to favoritism, but he is saying, do not withhold kindness, grace, mercy, love, affection, hospitality, or service, or anything else based upon someone's race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, appearance, weight or lack thereof, attractiveness or lack thereof. Don't do it. That's as demonstrative as I'm going to get today. Because it's clear. Do not discriminate. Don't do it. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit weave in our hearts everything we see and know in the world today. Discrimination in parts is not just a USA problem. So don't go down that road either. It's a problem everywhere. And we as Christians are not to do it, but hear James's heart, especially not under the guides of faith. That's what makes it so, ooh. I might have woken a baby up. I'll talk quiet loud this time. That's okay. That's as loud as I'll get because James wants us to hear this. It's important that we all hear it. Why shouldn't we do it? It's sin. But here's the practical reason. Verse 4, when we do this, we place ourselves in judgment over people that if we really understood it, we want no part of it. How many of you really want to be the boss? Exactly. How many of you really want to be the judge? Well, sometimes. Exactly. When we do this, when we act in this way, we put ourselves on a, the pedestal of a judge and none of us, as we learned in Matthew 6, none of us are at the pay grade to be judges. I'm not, and I'm a pastor. You're not, and that's good. This should bring comfort to your heart. If you've ever played the judge or the boss in your mind, especially with social issues or life issues, how exhausting is it? How depressed do we get? How angry do we get? How bitter do we get? Then we start to fall down that road as James talks about, about doubt and that's another trial and all these things. There is one judge. His name is Jesus Christ. He is a perfect judge. He judges perfectly. And he is... Such a good judge that the way he paid for sin was to give his own life. No judge in Washington, D.C. will do that. No judge in San Francisco would do that, nor should they. So James says, don't put yourself in that situation. And practically, 
We don't want to be there, and James knows this. Verse 5, listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? This is not economics. That's where we go, right? We're Americans, right? Oh, poor, rich. This is simply saying God does not discriminate in a language which was understood in the day, and we get it now. Discrimination between poor and rich. James says God does not do this. He's warning us to be about the Father's business. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? It was about whose business? The Father's business. It was Jesus saying what? My kingdom is being ushered in, and this is what my kingdom citizens look like. Remember Jesus' words on judgment? Don't do it. Unless you really, 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 really have to. And if you really, 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 really have to, use all the mercy at your disposal in judging. Are you guys confused? I'll say it this way. Vin, you've really been, this is not true. You've been really sowing seeds of discord and lying, and we've come to you over and over again, and you're causing all sorts of harm. And Vin, we've come to you three or four times with brothers and sisters praying for you, and all you do is say, no, 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 I don't want the things of God. I want to do it my way, and I want to hurt people. So we go, and we pray, and we say, we're going to have to ask Vin to move on for a season of our body. That would never happen. That's why I pick on Vin, right? That's a judgment we finally had to make as people who love the Lord for the health of everyone. And in doing that, I don't preach a sermon the next Sunday saying, Vin's an evil, wicked person, never talk to him again. I do so with tears saying, Vin, for this time we're going to have to ask you to worship somewhere else. And all of our resources are at your disposal. If you need counseling, if you need prayer, if you need help, if you need maybe a place to stay for a while and get things, we're there. Jesus tells us to judge that way, to make decisions, but do so with mercy, all the mercy we can have. That's what James is getting at, because James is commentating on Jesus, his half-brother, and the gospel. Favoring the rich and discriminating the poor, as we saw in our little example, if I favored Courtney and her family, maybe the church gets a little uptick in the giving. And maybe we have good food at the cookout. But if I'm doing so based on outward appearance and personal means, I am not doing the family business, the father's business. Verse 6, but you have dishonored the poor man and not the rich ones who oppress you. James gets practical. And the ones who drag you into court, are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? James does a weird thing here. He doubles down. Now he is contextually talking about situations that happened 2,000 years ago and contend to happen when? Now? If we have a rich person and a poor person going to court, 
I'm going to go eight and a half times out of ten. Who tends to come out on top? Russ, you're a lawyer. Russ is smirking. If we have people with powerful means and people with no means, who tends to come out on top? Yeah. Again, this is about discrimination, not about a court case, but it's an example. We love James because he gives us examples. Wait till we get about the tongue. And then this other little part. Look at verse 6 again. Oh, I'm sorry, go to 7. You were there. How do we blaspheme the honorable name of God if we are taking advantage and discriminating? I didn't have it there. Can you go back to 127? Pastors should know the verse. James talked about it 10 seconds ago. 127. You guys can read. It's big font. We go from being a doer of the word to only a hearer when we discriminate and take advantage of. Because it's right there. Remember James reminded us? He's all, you can hear and you can talk, but pure and undefiled religion is this. What? To take care of those who are unable to and to remain unstained for the world. And remember the big circle? How do I mainly remain unstained for the world? Read my Bible 100%. Praying 100%. Not just taking the words in and hearing them, but then I go and what? Do them. And as I obey the Lord, as I live out in pursuit of Jesus, as he is forming me into a kingdom citizen, i.e. the Sermon on the Mount, all the things we see in the scriptures, I, in some ways, I just watched Star Wars, Force Awakens, Millennium Falcon Shields, I am being shielded in a sense to be, I'll say it this way, it's harder for the world to stain me when I'm doing the Father's business. Because I don't care. When you are doing your Heavenly Father's business, the things of the world go strangely dim. But when we're not, at times the things of the world look really good, right? And they can harm us and hurt our hearts. So James just got deep. He is digging and diving, and we should take note because he is a pastor. He has seen the ministry of the Lord, and his heart is being laid out in this note, this letter. Verse 8, and then he just lays it bare once more. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, James is good. The brass tax. James is saying, if you want to get down to the nitty-gritty about this whole Christian Jesus, pursuing Christ, obeying the Lord, being saved, that's our lingo now, here it is, loving neighbor as self. If we are doing that, we are doing well in the kingdom. Isn't that crazy? Pharisees came to Jesus What's the greatest law, Jesus? There's so many. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength in another part, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we discriminate, if we play favorites, if we look to get involved in relationship for personal gain, even under faith, are we loving our neighbors well? No. That's tough. 
we are not living under the law of liberty, James 1.25. We are living under the law of Dave. You don't want to live under the law of Dave. Dave doesn't want to live under the law of Dave. When I know what it is. Because Dave's out for Dave, and that never ends what? Well. Our world, apart from the teachings, the example, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, I'm going to make a sweeping generalization, it's tough, largely preaches discrimination and favoritism. And our world, in my opinion, I'll say my opinion, turns a blind eye to oppression and injustice often. As Jesus' people, the first thing we're to do is recognize this and then not go to Facebook or make signs. I don't want any part of that. We are to seek the Lord and say, Lord, show me in my heart this week where I discriminate and I play favorites. Don't do that unless you want an answer like that. And usually the answer comes when you're driving or listening to music or writing an email or tending to a loved one, maybe a child or a, a mom or dad, and the Holy Spirit will press upon our hearts, boom, and we go, oh. So the first thing we do in dealing with this is humbly come before our gracious God and say, God, show me where I am culpable in this. Show me where I need to grow. Show me where I need to work. I want to be about the Father's business. Verse 9, but if you show partiality or favoritism or discrimination, you are committing sin, and here's the hard part, are convicted by the law as transgressors. Verse 10, forever keeps the whole law but fails one part has become accountable to all of it. James, in grace, shatters morality. Most of us are moral people in America. At least we are in public, right? <laughs> I know I have some faults, but I'm not on CNN for murder. I know I have some faults, but I'm not on MSNBC for uh, embezzlement. I know I have some faults, but I'm not on Fox News for hurting my spouse. And you see what James just did? If you're going to live a moral life, and if that's the road you're going to take, keep it all. That's the hard part about law, right? We don't make a whole lot of rules on our youth group. Want to know why? We have one rule, two rules, love God and love your neighbor. It's actually, it's a youth group thing. You can kind of put in more rules when you need to. We do have rules, so send your kids. <laughs> but the point is, the tough part about rules and law is when inevitably they're broken, what hath, has to happen? If Nancy, my good friend who had a birthday, happy birthday again, says, I'm going to live on the royal code, and I'm going to obey the law, and I'm going to do this, and then Nancy just has a bad day or a bad week, and she, she breaks the law. What am I to do? Am I to discriminate or show favoritism? That's, that's the flip side. But what James is getting at is this. Verse, let's just go to 12. We're getting there. I'm sorry, verse 11. 
For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. What did James do in his brilliance with favoritism? What did he, what did he line it up against? <laughs> Some big ones. Favoritism's not great, but it's not murder. Favoritism's not great, but it's not cheating on your spouse. But the law, and to our God, there's no partiality in sin. If I sin, I sin. There are different consequences to sin, biblically. Sexual sin and immorality and things of that nature, it happens against the body, Paul says, so there's different consequences sometimes, right? But sin is sin. So what James is encouraging us to do is don't just take the week off and say, Dave had a couple funny jokes and he used some examples and favoritism is no big deal. He's saying it is sin. Don't do it. In the same way it would behoove Josh not to murder anybody, it would behoove him not to discriminate, right? Because Josh, upon his confession, is about the father's business. And when Josh tries to be about the father's business and do the things that the Lord has given him to do, which is love God and love other people, and try and find his way in building the Lord's kingdom, the world looks less appealing. But when Josh is murdering and discriminating and doing all sorts of other things, the world is bright and God often looks non-existent. And that's this battle we find ourselves in. And James is showing us what sin is. He's also smacking, in a way, some of the pharisaical legalism found even back then in the church. God will love me if I just keep the law. His son became sin, we sang about it. So we could be forgiven. Jesus Christ died so I could be set free and then in his death and resurrection, Jesus ushered in the law of liberty, and God says, go and live under that law. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel. Verse 12, so speak and act, here's our challenge today, as those who are to be judged under what? The law of liberty. How do we do that? How are we to speak and act as though we're being judged under the law of liberty. What is this law of liberty? The gospel, the full gospel, the good news found in Christ. Not just hearing it, but doing it. This is the final battle James is wrapping up in, in this genuine faith. A genuine believer might not know all of his systematic theology. We can get there. We got classes. We can do some stuff. We have Google, oh my gosh, we have libraries. A genuine believer might not know all the church history. We can get there. A genuine believer might not know the difference between Calvinism and Arminianism. We can get there. A genuine believer might not know where the hymns came from. Kind of crazy, those people back then. Do you know the hymns were considered, um, when they first came, uh, to... I'll say it this way. The hymns were the rock and roll of their day. They were too progressive in some ways. But as we long to be genuine believers in Christ, 
as we long to be formed by God, as we walk out with fear and trembling our own salvation, we are to what? Live under the law of liberty. And I'll use the example again because it's the only one I got. Remember the Roman law back in the day in the Sermon on the Mount. Roman law said carry it a mile. The law of love and the law of liberty says go ahead and carry it a mile and carry it five. The law of liberty says if you know you need to reconcile with someone and you're at church, leave church without texting the pastor and go to their house and beseech them on behalf of God to reconcile. The law of liberty says, men, stop treating women like animals. They are just as precious in God's sight as you are, maybe even more, because I have three daughters, I can say that now. Treat them with dignity and respect. The law of liberty says, you don't have to pray from the rooftop of the synagogue so you look spiritual. You can go home and pray to your heavenly father who sees you in secret and reward you. And guess what? He knows what you need before you ask it. He's inviting you into communion and fellowship with him. The law of liberty also says what? Treat others as you wish to be what? The law of liberty says... I came from heaven to pay a price you could not pay. I went to Calvary to die a death you couldn't die. I rose from the tomb to show a vindication you couldn't do. Now come and follow me. Have you ever followed an expert in their field? I got to meet Annika Sorenstam. She's one of the best women's golfers of all time. I'm a novice golfer. I used to be good before I got married and had kids. That's good for the marriage, by the way. When guys get married and they're like a four handicap, which is good, and they become a two handicap in the first two years of their marriage, which is even better, I get a little worried. You know what I mean? I'm like, we spend time at home, but that's a whole, it's a joke, right? And so I got to follow her for a couple hours. And she is an expert. She's about five foot one, 118 pounds, and hit the ball farther than me. That's humble pie, right? Into the wind uphill. It was a joy and a privilege to follow her around the golf course. I had no qualms that she was better than me. I had no qualms that she was a millionaire and I wasn't. I had no qualms that she wore a five and a half shoe and could hit the ball way farther than my size 12s. I was at peace on this golf course. The law of liberty, the man himself, invites you to follow him in which he's an expert in which he shows no partiality and no discrimination. He simply says to people of all beliefs, of all race, of all socioeconomic standards, come and follow me. And James reminds us. Last verse, 13, we're done. Here it is. Ties into verse 4, I didn't get there. If you got your Bible, look at verse 4. God in creating this world, the plan from the beginning was to show the universe mercy triumphs over judgment. And he's done that in the man, Jesus Christ. Mercy has triumphed over judgment. And tying it back in, James says, that's the point of what Jesus came to show. 
don't place yourself in a place where you get to pick and choose and not make mercy the star. There's going to be a lot of stars on the red carpet tonight. You guys know what I'm talking about? The Oscars? The star of our universe is mercy, and his name is Jesus. He's come to tell us about God, who he fully is. Remember John 1.18? No one's ever seen God, even though they saw him a lot in the Old Testament. But they've fully seen him now in John 1. Jesus. And his whole life and his whole mission was to show that mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's not be foolish. Let's not turn a blind eye to what the scripture says. Let's not commit the sin of favoritism or discrimination. Let's leave that unto the Lord. And let's be people who would say, we're about mercy. At First Baptist St. Carl's, they're a little weird, a little crazy. They got a new bathroom, that's good. But they are about mercy. Why don't you guys stand with me as we close. Thanks for listening. Thanks for volunteering, Courtney, Kevin, and the rest. And the people I, did I really smack you? That's mean, huh? Did, did the recording turn off before I said that? Let's pray. Father, help us to see the, uh, the wrongness in our favoritism and our hearts at times when we discriminate. Help us see the beauty of loving neighbor as self and let us see the gospel message where mercy has come from heaven to triumph over all things and including our hearts. Father, as we go, bless us and keep us. As we go, may your face shine upon us. As we go, may your countenance be lifted upon us all of our days. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.